Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Mickey Mike's Up. This week, we're going to look at the end of the regular season, how teams clinch playoff spots, my personal season MVP and best 11, what the Black Women's Players Collective has been up to lately, and we're going to take a look at the upcoming playoffs, where you can watch, who to root for, and all things NWSL. This episode is going to be kind of jam-packed with things, so we're just going to get right into things and talk all the NWSL stuff that's going on. Thanks for listening. So we're first going to start with how the teams clinch the playoffs. So for those of you who don't know what the playoff standings are like, um, in first place and who actually won the NWSL Shield are the Portland Thorns. And then second, we have the OL Reign. And so because those teams came in first and second for the season, they were granted a bye for the first round because the playoffs is six teams. So then after that, Washington Spirit, Chicago Red Stars, Gotham, and then North Carolina Courage um it was a really really tight race like teams were relying on other teams to lose for them to get in which is how Houston didn't make it and North Carolina did because Houston lost their last game and if they had won then they would have made it and North Carolina wouldn't it was a whole thing so I'm gonna quickly rehab recap the games and just give you all the scenarios that could have happened so going into the last week of games Gotham FC had three games, so they had, so they first had a game against Kansas City on Friday, October 22nd, which if they won that, they would have kind of been much more set going into the final run of the playoffs, um, but they tied that 1-1, um, the goal came, for Gotham came from Midge Purse in the 25th minute, and then Kansas City got a penalty kick in the 45th minute, which Kristen Edmonds converted, and tied the game. The second half was kind of just like Casey pushing a lot. I'm really shocked that they didn't pull out a win because as strong as Gotham's defense is, there was just so many chances coming from Kansas City and they were really heavy on the ball. So I'm kind of shocked that Gotham managed to come out of that with a tie, but I mean, I'm happy about it. And then the next game Gotham played, which was actually the next game in the league because Gotham had to catch up on three games because of rescheduling. So then the next game they played was against Racing Louisville on Thursday, October 28th. And that also ended in a 1-1 tie. So again, if they had won this one, they would have been in the playoffs, no problem. But instead, this ended in a tie. Um, Ifiana Manu scored in the seventh minute and then CC Kaiser scored in the 52nd minute. And it stayed tied. I don't know how Gotham didn't win this one. Honestly, they had 19 shots on, like, compared to Louisville's 9. They held more possession, more passes, all this stuff. And 11 corners, like, all this. These things that really should have accounted for a win, and they just didn't. And so they, they, Gotham essentially needed three points to get into the playoffs. But four would have made it, like, for sure solid and this these two ties only left them with two points so they definitely needed to tie their next game but like it also mattered what happened with other teams at that point and so that's kind of got a little bit nerve-wracking because obviously as a Gotham fan I want Gotham to have been in the playoffs and they are now I'm actually going to the game in Chicago it's gonna be a great time (laughs) um eight hour bus ride to go see them so I hope that shows how dedicated I am but Basically, if Gotham had won this game, they would have still been in contention to host a playoff game, and so their playoff game would have been in 
New Jersey at Red Bull Arena, but now they're playing in Chicago at SeatGeek because that is who got the playoff like spot to hold it. And so then there was Kansas City OL Rain. OL Rain won 3-0, um, really just boosting up their points. They were kind of solid. Portland Thorns, North Carolina. This this was a big one. Basically, North Carolina needed to win this game or at least tie because if they lost the game, they were out of playoff contention. Um, and so they tied the Thorns. And so basically with them tying, it meant that they were pretty much in the playoffs at that point. But their final result came to what happened in the Washington Spirit Houston Dash game, which was the next day. And so the Spirit actually won 1-0 against the Houston Dash with a Trinity Rodman goal in the 76th minute. And the that loss for the Dash knocked them out of the playoffs and secured North Carolina in the playoffs. And so obviously all the North Carolina players and everyone there is like rooting for the Spirit. And so after the game, Lynn actually tweeted like, thanks to my Spirit besties, like you guys rock for getting us into the playoffs kind of thing. And sadly, that was the end of the Houston Dash this season. And then on that same day, Gotham played Racing Louisville again and (laughs) yet again tied. And so Carly Lloyd scored in the 53rd minute and then, wait for it, they got another penalty kick and then they converted that um, in the 69th minute off CC Kaiser. But they only needed three points to get into the playoffs and that was their third point. So they were in the playoffs and because of the way that other teams ended so like you know Gotham had enough points to get in but then North Carolina if they had won like we could have maybe been out of it if North Carolina had won instead of tied it was a really really close race at the end just because all the teams got real like were so competitive from spot four no spot three with the the Washington Spirit with 39 points to Orlando in 8th place with 28 points. Like, they were all so close. Like, there were 10 points separating Orlando and the Spirit. So if Orlando had, like, not lost their last five games, they could have very easily moved into the playoffs. Orlando started the season at, in first. And so it's just crazy how, as the season progresses, people get into rhythms or fall out of rhythms. And this was such a good NWSL season. For play, obviously, there was a lot that went on outside of it with coaching and, out like, all this stuff. And I can't even imagine how tired these players are at this point. But play-wise, like, the defense this season was on a whole other level. And it was just incredible to watch some really, really good soccer. And now we're going into the playoffs, which is going to be such a good time. So the breakdown of the playoffs is um, three and six play each other and then four and five play each other while one and two get a bye. So three, Washington Spirit, six, North Carolina. They are playing, they are playing on November 7th at 5.30, and then Gotham, Chicago, which is four and five, are playing Sunday, November 7th at three. And so from there, whoever wins the Washington Spirit, North Carolina game will go to play on the rain, and then whoever wins the Chicago, Gotham game will play the Thorns, which both of those games are on November 14th, and then the championship game which is to be determined who's going to be there, is on November 20th at 12 p.m. The game was changed from being played in Portland to now being played in Louisville. So the game is going to be at Lynn Family Stadium in Louisville at noon Eastern time 
and it's gonna be good. I there's so many people coming from all over to see it, to watch it. Um, they they actually tweeted a map of where ticket sales had come from, and it's almost all 50 states and even some countries. So it's really cool to see all this like excitement surrounding the playoffs and final and we're gonna see some really good soccer in the next few games and speaking of seeing really cool facilities for soccer kansas city actually just announced that they are building a new stadium i can't remember if i talked about this because i don't re really remember when it happened but if i talked about it oh well i'm talking about it again because it's so cool um so they one announced their new crest and their new name so they're going to be referred to as the kansas city current and their crest is really cool it is pretty much the same as before except so it has a red stripe in the middle it says kc there's three waves and then there's two stars and the two stars are meant to represent kansas city missouri and kansas city kansas it's really cool to see the new crest, the name, and the stadium that they're going to be building, which is going to be the first um, soccer stadium specifically for women's soccer, which is absolutely amazing and something that we need because so many of these teams are sharing these stadiums with the men's teams, but then they're limited to what facilities they can use and things like that. And so to see such great investment from people for women's soccer is incredible and the people for Kansas City are doing such a great job to make sure that this team is here to stay because Kansas City's already had a team and lost it because there wasn't proper investment so the fact that they are now getting the proper investment that they well deserve is awesome so basically with the final designs of the stadium they're still in development but the project is estimated to be 70 million dollars it's all privately financed and funded and they will be right along the Berkeley Riverfront in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, it's the the designs of it are so cool. I think that being right along the water is one gonna be such a cool environment to take pictures to here, like and just such a good vibe for a soccer stadium. And then the look of it is so cool and it's easily accessible right from all like major access ways, which is awesome and I'm so like excited to see how Kansas City is going to continue to grow because along with the stadium they're also building um a 15 million dollar training facility which I think I talked about a few weeks ago because that was announced re recently so next season they are going to be playing their games at Children's Mercy Park in Kansas City sharing that with the men's team there but then next season not next season but two seasons they will have their own stadium and Kansas City is really doing great things to make sure that these women are invested in and growing such a good fan base, which has been awesome. And I honestly, I'm probably getting repetitive, but I can't speak highly enough about the good work that they're doing to make women's soccer known and a thing and like accessible for people to go watch and not just be like, oh, I didn't have a team. I was talking to someone the other day. Um, I was working on my resume with her. She's from Chicago. And she was so nice. And I said, oh, I'm going to Chicago this weekend for a soccer game. And she goes, oh, the Chicago Fire? And I was like, no, women's soccer. And she's like, there's a women's soccer team? And I was like, yeah, the Chicago Reds. And I, when I tell you, I went on a probably five, ten minute tangent 
talking about the Chicago Red Stars as if I was a Red Stars fan. I was like, yeah, they're awesome. This and this and this and all this stuff about the Chicago Red Stars. And I'm, and she's like, oh yeah, like I'll definitely have to check them out. Like I love to be from Chicago. I'm so proud of that. And I'm like, well, be proud of your women's sports teams there because they're awesome. And the Chicago Red Stars are really great. So, um, I was trying to tell her, hey girl, check it out. When you're home in the summer, go, go catch a game. <laughs> like, because women's sports shouldn't be the backup option or something that's just like there like no they should be front and center because they deserve to be front and center and it's been really awesome to see teams like kansas city um from the looks of it angel city san diego like investing with angel city with all these like big celebrities hopefully they'll get big names in there um having kristen press as the face of your team already you're already going places with her. And then you have San Diego who has plans to build their own stadium. And so that'll be another soccer specific stadium for women. And there's just been so many good things happening for players and teams and just women's sports. Obviously, there's so many, so many more things that need to be changed and there's such a long way to go, but it has been nice to see the the investment grow. And I hope that it continues to grow because they deserve it. And so with that being said, we are going to get into the awards of the season, my personal season MVP, and then I'm going to talk about a runner-up for the MVP because obviously there's so many talented people in the WSL, but you can only pick one MVP and there are two people who come to mind right away. And both of those people actually weren't nominated for the actual MVP list from the NWSL, which is kind of comical to me. Um, and just not in like a haha that's so funny way but like a are you watching the same soccer as me kind of way because Sarah Gordon and Caprice Idasco are solid and the league would be nothing without the defense. I cannot talk highly enough about how the defense this past season in the NWSL was out of control. You look at Ashley Hatch who won the golden boot. She scored 10 goals. 10 goals in the seven month season let's say because the defense was so tight. Sure, there were a few games where there were like six goals scored or four goals scored. Things like that happen every once in a while. But overall, the defense was like top-notch. Caprice, Estelle, Imani, like Jean. I, the way I just listed all Gotham people because I'm a Gotham fan. But you have Sofia Huerta, um, Sarah Gordon, Tierna Davidson, like Alana Cook, all these people who are just so on top of things for their defense and some of these teams would truly be like nothing without their defense and so my personal season mvp would be sarah gordon so sarah gordon was chicago's first iron woman which is the title that she was given for playing every minute of every game this season so in total she played 2160 minutes in 24 games which is crazy when you think about it like that is so much soccer And she played every minute, and she was good every minute. She is such an anchor and such a strong unit. And not only is she good with everybody else, but she's good one-on-one too. And I think that she is one of the most well-rounded players to play. Um, And I think that she is so good at what she does. And she, all defenders, but especially Sarah, deserve so much more recognition for what they do. And so I think that, for me personally, she would be my MVP for the season because... She puts in the work on the field. She's a good teammate. She has captain potential. Um, 
obviously. I think that Sarah would be such a good leader. But then you look at what she does off the field, and she works with the Black Women's Player Collective, started um, Hood Space Chicago, which gives back to the community. She is so heavily involved with all different aspects and is such a good person and player on and off the field. And I think that it rounds her out because, yeah, there's players who are really good players, but they don't give back to the community where they play. And I think that that also feeds into it because, yeah, you're looking at the MVP for what kind of player you are, but all of these clubs are so... Like it makes they make such a focus on giving back to the community and working with groups and all this kind of stuff. And Chicago, like Chicago, Gotham, and the Rain, I feel like they kind of do it the best. Um, and Sarah perfectly embodies all the characteristics of what it is to be an MVP. And so I personally think that she should have one been nominated and two should win it all. Um, and then runner up for that, I would also go with another defender because defenders do not get enough love. And they definitely deserve it, especially after this season. So I would go with Caprice Didasco. Um, This was a breakout season for her, I feel like. She's always been good, but she's also torn her ACL three times. So this season was her first season back after tearing her ACL for the third time. And she was so good. Like, such a constant. Played most of every game with Gotham. Um, She scored a goal, assisted five goals, and was really just like amazing this season um and so I think that she deserved more recognition too definitely deserved an MVP nomination um but both her and Sarah are up for defender of the year and you can go on to the NWCL website I think and there's a link to vote there so you can vote for MVP rookie of the year best defender um best goalkeeper your starting 11 your best 11 and then So now going into Rookie of the Year, I think that without a doubt it's Trinity Rodman. I don't know how anybody could argue that. Um, She is insane. And I, I for one, can personally say that I was worried about her coming into the league because she skipped college. And we've seen how that's affected other players with injury, other things like that. But Trinity has been so good. Um, This season, she played 22 games, played 1,726 minutes, had 19 starts, And in all of that, she scored six goals. And obviously her job as as an attacker is to score goals. But I think that one of the things that makes her stand out much more as Rookie of the Year is that she was a good teammate too. Not only did she have good goals, but she assisted goals. She had six assists on the season. And she truly made a name for herself, which is something that I was worried about and she vocalized being worried about was that people were just going to look at her as Dennis Rodman's daughter. Oh, that's Dennis Rodman's daughter. And I really think that she has made a name for herself even more so. And she just has such a vision for the game and is so tactical on the ball. Like, she gets the ball in certain positions and you're like, that, that's going places. It's going to be a cross. It's going to be a goal. It's Something's going to come from it because she knows what she's doing. And I think that she is the clear winner for rookie of the year I think that Emily Fox and Victoria Pickett who are also up for rookie of the year are amazing players but I think that Trinity has just been unmatched and I really hope that Trinity gets a call up to the national team soon because they would be unstoppable with her and Sophia in the front line it'd be amazing and I might just fangirl all the time because I 
As everybody knows by now, I am the self-proclaimed number one Sophia Smith fan, and I think that it would be so fun to watch her and Trinity play together because they have very similar styles, but they're both so, like, crafty on the ball, and I think that they're so fun to watch while also executing things amazingly. So I did say what my personal MVP were, but I realized that I forgot to say what the actual MVP candidates were. So the MVP candidates for this season are Jess Fishlock from The Rain, Ashley Hash from the Washington Spirit, Mallory Pugh, Chicago Red Stars, Midge Purse for Gotham, and then Angela Salem for Portland Thorns. Out of that, I would selfishly go with Midge Purse because I love her and the fact that she was injured for a large majority of the season, came back and scored eight goals, almost won the golden boot. I think that if Scott Parkinson had left her and if he on last game, um, they both probably could have tried to score. Um, I mean, they both might have scored and I think that they could have very easily one of them could have won the golden boot I think that from that court category obviously Caprice Sarah snubbed but I also think that if he was snubbed she was a constant for Gotham this season and was absolutely incredible with her play and she's really the only reason that we didn't flounder so much when we had Paige and Midge injured and national team players away um so obviously I think that I would pick Midge to win that and then the other half I the other half I meant the the next my next in line would probably be Jess Fishlock I think that she was amazing for the rain and she is such a good leader and I mean I think that there's not much else to say about Jess Fishlock because everybody knows the kind of person and player she is and she really embodies the MVP vibe or whatever and so I think that she would be my second option um for defender of the year up for nom nomination nominee nominees i don't know alana cook for the ol rain caprice didasco gotham sarah gordon red stars emily Mangas, portland thorns and then carson pickett for north carolina and this category was really really hard to vote for because i my first thought is i love caprice i want gotham to win as many awards but then Sarah, incredible. So I did vote for Sarah and put Caprice as number two just because I had to vote for both of them. Um, you rank you're like your top three. And then I voted for Carson Pickett next because I think that Carson Pickett has had an incredible season with North Carolina. And I think she's always been good. But this season, I think so many more people have recognized how good she is. And so it's been really nice to watch her. Um, and then goalkeeper of the year, we have Bella Bixby, Portland Thorns, Aubrey Blesdo, Washington Spirit, and then Kaylin Sheridan for Gotham. I voted Kaylin, obviously. That's my girl. Um, but I think that from this category, Casey Murphy was really snubbed from being nominated. She was really good this season. And I was kind of confused not to see her name on the list. Not that Bella and Aubrey, like, aren't as qualified, um, for the, for, because obviously, like, everybody did a good job, but I was really shocked to not see Casey Murphy's name on this list because I feel like there were a lot of times where she kind of kept North Carolina in things, and so it was a little bit shocking, but like I said, I voted for Kaylin. I would vote for Kaylin over and over again as many times as I could. Um, I already went over Rookie of the Year, but Emily Fox is nominated, Racing Louisville, and then Victoria Pickett for Kansas City and then Trinity Rodman. I'd vote Trinity Rodman. And then we have Coach of the Year. And Coach of the Year was a little bit interesting because there were so many coaching changes this season. So we have Laura Harvey for the rain, who literally came in halfway through the season. Scott Parkinson, who was assistant coach at Chicago and then came to Gotham as head coach. And so I guess he like 
kind of has a little bit more valid because he coached two teams. So I'm, and I mean, I voted for him just because that's my coach for like the team that I cheer for. So obviously, again, I want them to win. And he came in at a weird time and did really good. Um, and then we have Mark Parsons, who Mark Parsons is one of like the only coaches to have coached from the start of the season to the end of the season. And so I guess I feel like he should probably win because he was with his team the longest. And I mean, they came in first. But this category was just kind of funny to look at because there's so many coaching changes. Like, Spirit had a new coach. Um, who helped? Laura Harvey came in halfway through. Scott Parkinson came halfway through. Um, Orlando Pride had a new coach. North Carolina, new coach. Like, so many new coaching changes racing Louisville. And so it was kind of a little bit interesting to see that category. But again, I think that any of them would be well deserved of the win. Um, I think Mark Parsons, it would be nice for him to go out his final season with the Thorns, winning Coach of the Year. But I also love that Laura Harvey is girl bossing um, for the rain and really kind of turned their season around. They were having a rough start. She came in and then she turned their season around. So she's also extremely well deserving of it. And then Scott is just such a good guy. And he's did great with Gotham the last few weeks. And I think that next season he him and Gotham and the team that they have going there is going to be incredible to watch. Clara, my roommate is here. Clara, who would be your NWSL MVP for the season? <laughs> um, I have to think. Sophia Smith. Sophia Smith! Yeah, you knew someone. Good job! Clearly, I only talk about, like, one or two players to Clara that she remembers because she said so she almost said Tobin which would have been really funny considering Tobin's not in the league right now but I thought that that would be kind of funny to keep in um but now I'm gonna jump into my best 11 and when I tell you this was incredibly difficult for me to do um I tried not to be biased but obviously there's going to be bias in anything I do because I can't help but want my Gotham girls to succeed so my best 11 and I will go through it and then give explanations for goalkeeper Kaylin obviously um I think that we had a really awesome start to the season very little goal scored on us I think that she did an absolutely incredible job and I could even say that I think that Dee Dee could be there um so in my head Kaylin best 11 Dee Dee second best 11 um but I know that there are other keepers who have done better, I guess. But I think that Dee Dee was a really, really solid backup for Kaylin this season. And as much as I don't want her to leave us, I do hope that she gets scooped up in the expansion draft just so she could play. Ooh, sorry about that little voice crack. I don't know what happened. I got a little bit of tickle in my throat. Um, and now we're going to go on to defenders. This was probably the easiest part of it. Um, I, again, it is a little bit biased, but I do think that it is very... I don't think that people will disagree with it. Um, so I had Caprice, obviously, Sarah Gordon, obviously. I already talked about them and why I think that they should get every single award they're up for this season. And then I said Sofia Huerta, and she, I don't think that she started the season playing defense, but she, Laura Harvey came back, kind of shifted her back there, and she has been really awesome. Um, she is on the leaderboard for assists for the season. She has six assists, one goal. And just has been playing really, really amazing. She played 23 games, started 22 of them. You know, has almost a 50% success rate with tackles. 
duels, um, her passes, she has one of the highest pass accuracies in the league. The only one who has a higher pass accuracy is Allie Long. And so I think that she had a really great season, and I hope that this season kind of caught the eye of Vlaco, and that we'll see her in the mix on the national team again soon, and that is why I thought that she was perfect for one of the defender spots. And then I had Estelle Johnson. I think that if anybody has been paying attention, Estelle Johnson is incredible. She made a amazing saves and she's not afraid to like get in there and I think that she's a really skilled um veteran defender and even when she was away for a lot of the season she still had incredible stats and was on top of things for Gotham I remember like vividly one game where she saved the ball off the line by like a hair and if she didn't get there like we would have lost the game we being Gotham, and so I think that that was, I feel like the defenders, obviously defense has been amazing this season, I think other people who could, like, be considered for that, like, Emily Mangas, obviously, um, Megan Klingenberg had a really, really good season, I think the center back pairing of Tierna and Sarah is always really good, so Tierna had a really good season, Emily Fox had a great breakout season, um, Mandy Freeman, amazing, even though she was out for a little bit because of injury, um, and then you have players like Gina Lewandowski, um, Becky Sauerbrunn. Like, these are solid staples who have been there for a while, and they're always on top of what they're supposed to be doing. I think that defense was a really, really big part of the league this season. And so picking was a little bit difficult just because a lot of the defenses were really strong. Katie Naughton was really good, you know. Carson Pickett again like there's all these people but I think that those four stood out to me personally the most which is why I went ahead and picked them. Now on to midfielders and forwards that's a category that's like together on the um when you're picking for the best 11 and so I put Crystal Dunn I feel like I don't really need to explain this just because it's Crystal Dunn but Crystal Dunn um she is still marked down as a defender, which I, it bothers me because she has talked so many times about not wanting to play there. Not that she doesn't want to play there, but just about how she wants to play midfield. She wants to play forward. That's where she grew up playing. That's where she feels more comfortable playing. And so the fact that she's still listed as a defender is silly when she literally did not play defense at all. Um, she scored one goal this season, but I think that overall she's just one of the best players. Um, she had uh 75% success rate for passes you know 73% success rate for tackles like so many things and even with being away for the olympics she was still able to play it a huge integral part in the thorns and their midfield and i think that anytime crystal's on the field it's automatically much better so i said her and then after that um, I went with Ali Long. I already kind of talked about how Ali Long has had a really incredible season, but we're just, I mean, her pass accuracy is insane. She, on the season so far, she, well, regular season, I guess, because they don't really count how this stuff goes because these are regular season awards, but her pass accuracy was 91% success rate. Like, that was insane. And so she played 23 games. She started 23 games um she was subbed off once so she was a constant on the field she played pretty much all the time um her tackles 55 percent success rate duels 57 
in the air, 65. Long passes, 76%. She was integral to, like, the midfield. She, I feel like she really was able to connect every part of the midfield, and it was amazing to watch. Next, I picked Andy Sullivan. Again, Andy Sullivan is a solid player. Um, She's an incredible leader for her team, the spirit, and I think that she really showed an extra level of leadership this past season just with everything that was going on with the spirit. And along with that, she is an incredible midfielder. I truly think that she's one of the best midfielders we have in the league, and her stats show that, but besides stats and beyond stats, she just knows what she's doing. And her and Trinity Rodman had a really good connection with like being able to link up and Andy would slide these wonderful passes to her. Um, and Andy's pass like success rate is 83%, which it's really good. And on the season, she scored two goals. And I just think that she is an incredible leader and really just such a well-rounded player who knows what she's doing. And so that's why I picked her. And then I picked Trinity Rodman, which again, I've talked about her already. I think that her rookie year, her breakout year was absolutely insane. And I think that there's so much more to see from her. And I can't wait to see how she continues to grow as a player. Um, and so that was easy. And then I picked Midge Purse. I love Midge. And I think that Midge, anytime Midge was on the field for Gotham, we didn't lose. <laughs> like, we might have tied, but we didn't lose. And Midge knows what she's doing. And I think that when Midge has the ball at her feet, you know something's going to come out of it. And just with her being out for part of the season and then coming back and still, I think I said this earlier, but still being able to score eight goals on the season and almost winning the golden boot was absolutely insane because she was literally out for like three months. And I hope that, you know, the national team people in charge there start paying attention some more and finally call a midge again because that team will be so much better with her on it. And there's finally space. So I think that Midge deserves to be on the best 11 and then the last spot was really difficult because you have so many players you have Bethany Balser who had an incredible year um and I feel like Bethany Balser has really started to come into her own as a player and I think it's been really excited to see her play um more and more and then you have you know then you have Sydney LaRue who eight goals on the season, absolutely incredible, powerhouse on the field all the time, and I mean, this was such an incredible year for her, and I I think that Sydney is so incredible, and I can't, I'm trying to find other words, because I'm kind of talking on the fly right now, but I really do love Sydney's drive, and just how she plays, and she's able to find spots, and her goals from outside of the box are always incredible, and so I have looked at Sydney and you know she played a lot of the season she started 23 games she played 23 games she played almost every minute you know eight goals two outside the box like all this stuff and she had incredible stats and then you have Iffy who again literally carried Gotham on her back for a long time with Paige and Midge being out and eight goals on the season played a lot like she was so solid for us And I think that this last spot was really difficult, but at the end of the day, I am going to give it to Iffy just because I think that 
the way that she carried herself and carried Gotham and was able to keep pushing when all this stuff was going on. I mean, it was insane to see how the goal she was scoring and the way that she was able to get in there. And the way her and Midge link up, I think that they, it was just amazing. And I can't talk highly enough about any of them because I absolutely adore all of Gotham. Well, not all of them. A few players I don't adore, but I adore most of Gotham. And so I think that this is a really, really good year for them. And I can't wait to see what they're going to be like when we have more stable coaching and things going on. And so it'll be really exciting for next season. But that is my best 11. So we have Kaylin, and then we have Caprice, Sarah Gordon, Sophia Huerta, Estelle Johnson, Crystal Dunn, Allie Long, Andy Sullivan, Trinity Rodman, Midge Purse, and then Ifyana Manu. So that is what I think my best 11 would be. If you disagree, if you have people you would put in your best 11, make sure to message me on Mickey Mike's Up on Instagram. We can have a conversation about it. Or we could, you know, you can message me on Twitter, Mickey underscore Alfano, and we could debate about who we think should and shouldn't be on the best 11. But with that being said, we are now going to get into what the Black Women's Players Collective has been doing recently. Okay, so for those of you who don't know what the Black Women's Players Collective is, this is their statement directly from their website. So, the Black Women's Players Collective is made up of women in football who have come together to transform the game we see today for generations to come. We understand that when we play the game, the world watches, and by changing the game for black women, we can change the world. Through our collective power, perspective, and platforms, we will shift the narrative and demand equity in the sport that was intended for all. And so, there are a bunch of different players from the NWSL who have come together, the black women in the NWSL, and who are making change. They're starting local initiatives, building fields, starting programs, and they're doing absolutely incredible things. So their board is Jasmine Spencer, Ifyana Manu, Imani Dorsey, Crystal Dunn, Midge Purse, Lynn Williams, and Jamia Fields. And so they're, they're the ones in charge of it all. And then there are so many other black women in the NWSL who are involved so, we have Sydney LaRue, Simone Charlie, Chana Matthews, Michelle Prince, Sarah Gordon, Casey Kruger, um, Kristen Press, Tegan McGrady, Kaya McCullough, um, and everyone else is on their website. Um, and then they have their, like, allies, I guess. I don't remember what the technical term that they used um, to describe them. Oh, they call them their advocates. So, they are basically the white players in the league who are there to lift up what the Black Women's Players Collective is doing. So, Becky Sauerbrunn, um, Steph McCaffrey, Sarah Killian, Andy Sullivan, Sofia Huerta, Tierna Davidson, Christy and Sam Uis. So, there's a bunch of them. And basically what the Black Women's Players Collective is doing um, they're doing a bunch of different projects, and so one of their biggest things is the mini pitches that they're building. So it's the mini pitch initiative, and with that, they know that not everyone can, you know, start to love soccer because of going to pack stadiums and having access to clubs because clubs are expensive, and you learn how to play soccer, and you find the love of it when you're young, and so they want to make sure that everybody has a chance to do that, whether it's a professional pitch or something like that. And so they want to make sure that everyone has a safe place to play. 
So again, directly from their website, it says, to accomplish the goal in alignment with our mission, in 2020, the Black Women's Players Collective joined the Black Players for Change U.S. Soccer Foundation and Adidas to construct and install 12 mini pitches in cities across the country by the end of 2021. The first two of the 12 mini pitches were completed in late 2020 at... R.H. Dana Middle School in Hawthorne, California, and Claremont Be- Branch of the Boys and Girls Club of San Diego. And so these players have been going to build, they're not building the mini pitches, but they're choosing places and then they're going and they're playing soccer with these young kids. And it's absolutely incredible. So recently, um, a few members from Gotham FC were there. So Dami Richardson, Mandy Freeman, Jennifer Cujo, and I think that might be it. Um, they were in Atlanta and they had a clinic and they played soccer with a bunch of young girls and taught them how to do tricks and basically just held like this open session for them to play and Louisville did one with Addison Merrick and Chanel Matthews and so they're doing these little pop-up clinics and all this stuff all over and they also um have been doing initiatives in Houston with making sandwiches and handing out food to kids um, through the Dash. So, like, Jamia Fields was there, um, and then Christy Mewis. So, it's been really, really awesome to see the work that they're doing and the attention it's getting because, one, it's important for the work to be done, but it's important that it's not being overlooked when it's getting done because oftentimes when black women do things it is so overlooked or just like oh yeah good for them but what these women are doing is incredible and they're making soccer a safe place for people that it's not a safe place for but it should be and they're making it accessible for people that it's not accessible for and it's been absolutely incredible to see what they're doing and just i can't wait to see what they continue to do um Along with that, they also have the call-up series, which it's coming soon, but there's been teasers about it. And basically, it is a bunch of short narrative episode documentary type series that look at what it's like to be a professional female athlete in the United States, but specifically a black professional female athlete in the United States. And what is there between veterans on the national team, rookies, players advocating for mental health, like what comes with one being a professional athlete but also being a professional athlete in a space that is often not the most accepting place for you and so um a lot of these players film them I know Midge and Sarah and Crystal did them I'm not sure who else but I off the top of my head but I'm really excited for those to come out because I know that it's going to be incredibly eye-opening and it's going to be stuff that people need to hear Um, just to hear what these players actually feel. And so, like, the other day, I was listening to Lynn and, um, Sam's podcast, Snacks, and they had Midge on. And they were talking to Midge about where the Black Women's Players Collective started from and how, during the Challenge Cup, they were all gathered around, you know, talking about what was going on, kneeling, protests, all that kind of stuff. And NWSL basically released a statement saying, oh, yeah, everybody's okay. The black women are okay. And they're like, we're not though. But the NWSL made that decision for them. And so they shouldn't have to take back power and, you know, raise their own voice. But I'm glad that they are because things cannot continue the way that they're, they are right now because a lot needs to happen to change and to make it a better place. And I think that one person who, obviously so many people are doing the work, but one person who has been doing 
absolutely incredible things and I don't even know if you know I everybody needs to remember her and I will probably mention her in every single podcast because we need to keep talking about Kaya and what Kaya McCullough has done and Kaya is absolutely incredible and her sharing her story about the Washington spirit and the things that she dealt with there I think is incredibly powerful it shouldn't have happened to her and it shouldn't happen to anybody else but I think that she is one of the people who is crucial and really leading the change in the NWL, and it's amazing to see what's happening um because of her sharing her story and Mana and Shanae sharing sharing their story and now the work that the Black Women Players Collective is doing and I'm just I really do think change is coming in the NWL hopefully soon whether the people who are in charge want it to or not because the players are making it happen and I think that you know the Black Women's Players Collective making it a safe place and they are a nonprofit, so you can donate to them on their website. Go to bwplayercollective.org, and you can donate on their website. Um, any donation helps to, you know, make mini pitches, open up spaces for young black girls in the sport, and they just want to continue to do that, and I think that it's incredible, and you should all check them out if you haven't yet. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Mickey Mike's Up. Um, I, again, I say this every episode, but the support means so much to me, and that you guys keep coming back every two weeks to listen is really awesome. With the NWSL coming into the off season, I do think that I am going to take a short break, just because when the season ends, it's going to be around the holidays, there's going to be, I'm going to have finals, and so I think that the next episode will be the last one for a short break. Um, I'll probably kick it back off once the semester starts again at school and I'm really excited for you guys to just continue this journey with me. I have some really exciting stuff planned and I'm hoping that the next season if you want to call it that will feature some other super cool guests like who knows maybe some players we'll see where this goes and I just hope you guys stick around to continue to watch what happens here. Um I am always open and willing to hear feedback, so let me know if you think that there's things I should change about the audio, my planning, if I should say less ums and likes, I I am open to it all. So again, make sure to follow me on Mickey Mike's Up on Instagram, Mickey underscore Alfano on Twitter, and I am open to hearing anything from you guys on there, whether it's comments, critiques, praise, all the things. So with that being said, thank you so much for listening and I'll see you in two weeks.